0: You're listening to Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Janine Roberts. Every day you'll get a dose of financial, technological, and personal inspiration from the world's top business minds, movers and shakers, and last but not least, Nausea herself. Trying to get information from Silicon Valley or Silicon Beach? Nah, you're in the wrong place. She's building Silicon Hoods. Want to live a healthy, wealthy, and relevant life? Welcome to... Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Janine Roberts.
1: Hello, everyone, and happy Black History Month. I am so, so excited about us being able to continue the conversation with Ahead of the Crypto Curve this entire month for Black History Month, as I call it, Black Futures Month. I have a quote for you today by Dr. Martin Luther King, and that quote says, There is nothing new about poverty. What is new, however, is that we have the resources to get rid of it. And I want to let that sink in because this quote is brilliant. But guess what, fam? I think technology finally caught up to his words and the resources we now have to get rid of poverty is Bitcoin. Let me frame this first hour for you because As we know, 159 years ago, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed and black folks in America were free. And we held less than one percent of the wealth in this country. And here we sit today in 2022 and black folks in America hold less than one percent of the wealth. And what is absolutely blaring to us is that if we continue to do what we've done the last 159 years, we're going to get exactly what we've gotten, and that's absolutely nothing. You know, family, we stand on the shoulders of our ancestors who have freed thousands of slaves in the Underground Railroad. They've sat in on buses. They've got beaten down at restaurant counters. They've marched into the face of police and dogs biting them up. Cities have been bombed. Several of our loved ones were killed, but they have systematically and structurally continued to keep us only only one percent of the wealth. So let's ask ourselves a question. Why is that? Because at the end of the day, whoever holds the money holds the power. And no matter what we do, we are still bound by the Federal Reserve banking system, their red lines. And it doesn't matter whether you have your own MDI or your own bank, you are still in their system. Well, family, with Bitcoin, we are now self sovereign. Never before in history have we as a people had the opportunity to control our own finances without anyone else's hand in the pot. Bitcoin is that level playing field. Bitcoin does not care whether you are black. It does not care whether you are white. It does not care whether you are rich. It does not care whether you are poor. All it cares is that the rules of the technology that were put into the blockchain are followed and that everyone that is participating will and can have a fair share. Family is our turn. And today, during this Black History Celebration, during this Black Future Month, I make a bold declaration That our future is brighter than it's ever been before because of Bitcoin. And I'm going to step out on a limb and say to you today that Bitcoin solves everything. Now, yeah, I know some folks don't ascribe to that, but we're going to talk about that and how that works out. And I am sure that by the time we finish with several of these conversations, if you continue to rock with us for the next Couple of weeks, you will understand how Bitcoin solves a lot of things as it relates to our community. But from where I sit in my 30,000 foot view of the cryptocurrency space and the blockchain space, the writing is on the wall. Bitcoin is the technology that we will be able to use to change our financial trajectory forever. So, today, What we're going to do is we're going to talk about something that no one talks about in the cryptocurrency space is how racism plays into what we know in this cryptocurrency space. And so we're going to share some of those things today. We're going to share those issues. Bitcoin is 13 years old and most of the companies that are in this space are relatively new. So nobody's really talking about some of the things that they've done uh, for racial inequality. And we're going to talk about that. In the second hour, we're going to be actually talking about Bitcoin mining and how it can and will help the black community. In that third hour, we're going to be talking about the metaverse, so some of you have heard that Facebook changed their name to Meta. What is that all about? But most importantly, how does the metaverse play into the black community? What do we have to look forward to? Should we or should we not be participating in virtual reality and all of those things? And you're going to find that out as we talk today. I am super, super excited about today's show. And when we come forward, we will have some articles and we will give you some facts. And again, I always say do not trust verify. So we're going to give you some facts, some places that you can look, but we're going to make sure that our community is understanding a little bit more than you did last week about this cryptocurrency and blockchain space. This is KBLA 1580 talk have a great
2: conversations that matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA talk 1580.
1: 1580. All right. All right. And we are here and we have a whole lot to talk about. So in this hour, I would love for you to call in. I'd like to hear what you'd like to say about these companies that we're going to be talking about. Uh, the number that you can call into is 800 920-1580. Again, that number is 800-920-1580. And we will be talking about these companies. But before I do, I want to give a absolute congratulations to Vanine Mincy. Today, she is the winner of our KBLA Black History Month swag bag. So what we're doing is we're giving away a swag bag every single day this month. So there's plenty of chances to win. So all you have to do is download or open the KBLA 1580 app and tell us who your favorite historical figure is from black history. That's really it. Once you do that, you're automatically entered to win a KBLA Black History Month swag bag that's full of some really cool stuff. So download the app or open up the KBLA 1580 app today for your chance to win. We will be announcing those winners on air every day this month. And again, congratulations to Vernine Mincy. All right, so let's get to it. So again, that number that you need to call if you'd like to have conversation about this uh, is 800-920-1580. So let's get it. One by one, they left. Some quit. Others were fired. All black. The 15 people that worked at Coinbase, one of the most valuable, U.S. cryptocurrency startups. Ooh, this is going to get hairy, y'all. Coinbase has a history of being one of the most racist companies in the cryptocurrency space. And why are we saying this? Because in late 2018, 2019, and even 2020, several of their black employees were taunted at work. We have some hidden videos, some footage, some other things that substantiate this. But if you go to the Forbes article, you can actually read that at the time, uh, black employees were facing so many criticisms wearing their natural hair. Uh, comments in the boardroom that would lead to uh, people going into their cubicle and actually crying because things were said like, oh, I'm glad you got your presentation in today. You know, we thought you wouldn't have it because you would be off frying chicken and eating collard greens. And several employees had gone to human resources and told human resources that they were experiencing these issues. Um. Human Resources did little or nothing to even try to resolve it. In fact, uh, when the investigation was supposed to have taken place, several of the employees that had complained were later interviewed and found that no one even came to talk to them about what they had experienced at Coinbase. Um, The diversity issue continued uh, to happen because, There were not a lot of blacks at Coinbase at all. And, you know, they've hired since a diversity and inclusion person there. And I'm not saying that they're not trying to work on it. But the fact still remains that there are a lot of issues that Coinbase still needs to address. And they have not uh, after the death of George Floyd. Uh, Mr. Brian Armstrong, which is the founder CEO of Coinbase, made a blatant statement to his employees that they were to leave their social justice issues at the door. And if they found anyone that um, had any type of. Sayings about their social justice issues on their social media that work for them, they would be immediately relieved of their positions. He gave them the opportunity to take their stuff off social media and not come to work to talk about it or walk out of the door with a severance package because the treatment of black employees was so horrific at Coinbase. Most of those black employees decided to go ahead and actually leave Coinbase. And so they took that severance package. I had the privilege about a week and a half, I'm going to say two weeks ago, to talk to a gentleman that decided to stay at Coinbase, African-American gentleman. He decided to stay because he said if he left, he wouldn't be able to be the change inside that needed to happen. And so right now he's still working for Coinbase. He reports that some of the things that were problems in the past have sort of changed, but the numbers have not been increased as it relates to hiring black and brown employees. Uh, that article also talked about the treatment of women and the, um, the salaries that were different. And so while this gentleman does not know if his salary is that of his ca- of the same or equal of his counterparts, he has said that, you know, there have been several increases. But I think what uh, really bothers me is that nobody even looks at that article. And one of the things that we do need to know is because this space is about self sovereignty, we actually have a choice about where we can spend our money and who we actually do business. Business with, And if Coinbase is still having the same issues that they've been having and maybe not a, in, in as big of a magnitude as before, but we can say that they still have this issue because they've not done a great job and have not uh, done what they need to do, in my personal opinion, to make sure that black employees are being hired. Uh, we know that we're talented. We know that we belong in this space, but all the claims of discrimination um, have not been treated very seriously. They were not investigated the way that they were. And we're probably about a year and a half away from this situation, but it still continues. And what we do know is a company of that magnitude with the amount of pool that they have in this space and the amount of resources that they have, they can definitely fix that situation as it relates to uh, uh, the labor um, issues that were going on, the actual culture of the company. And so we had a young lady, and I'll, I'll just read one of the quotes from the um, from the article. It says, if the numbers haven't changed, it's definitely because there wasn't a real intention to do so. And that's Clev Mezador, the founder of National Policy Network of Women of Color and Blockchain um and she just knows that you know, we know now that Brian Armstrong was never committed to do this. And so a lot of times we're told things in this space to just kind of keep us from uh, ruffling feathers at the time the situations are going on. And then when these situations pass, then we uh, are expected just to just continue to be quiet. So what I decided to do this Black Futures Month is let you all know that Coinbase still has a lot of work to do, even though they inked a deal with the nba and i'm sure that the nba did not know and had not researched the history of coinbase and as we talk a little bit further about what coinbase brings to us please understand that coinbase also has some of the worst customer service, along with the fact that they have a lot of technological issues as it relates to time for you to pull your Bitcoin out of the uh, off the exchange, as well as when your money enters into the Coinbase space. And so some folks can talk about that. And again, if you're a customer of Coinbase or you have anything that you'd like to share or add, please feel free to call in. Again, that number is 800 800 920-1580. 920 1580, and we can talk about that as it relates to Coinbase. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of things in this space that we need to actually deal with. But I belong to a group on Clubhouse, uh, called BBB, it's the Black Bitcoin Billionaires, and we have spent probably the last year, really getting our clubhouse in order. We have over 150,000 black, brown, and other individuals in our group. And on February 9th, last year, family, February 9th of last year, we had or were made aware that a company called Blockfolio at the time, which is now, Uh, FTX had a coin that was actually posted for sale. It was called the nigger coin. And February 9th, they stayed up all night long trying to figure out how to resolve the problem of their nigger coin that had been posted. But not only had the nigger coin been posted, a push notification was sent to all of its customers and all of its users telling black folks to get off their exchange because they were not welcome. The black Bitcoin billionaires took a stance. We all, along with Mr. Lamar Wilson, who was the founder, one of the founders, um, reached out to Blockfolio at the time, now FTX, and we wanted to hear their side of it. And the reason why I'm bringing this back up to the forefront is because FTX, a.k.a. used to be Blockfolio, is giving out millions of dollars at the Super Bowl this year. But they forgot that they had nigger coin last year. And they have not rectified some of the promises. I'm going to say some of none of the promises that they made to the black Bitcoin billionaires as it relates to uh, making good what they did uh, to humiliate our community, to humiliate those of us that were users of a uh, folio. and we are going to talk about that as well. Um, we have a couple of people that would like to talk about their experience uh, and some of the things that they want to share. And I see you, and I know that you are holding on the line. We're going to bring them back, but let me make clear, and let me help us really frame and understand what happened. Um, someone claims, and this is what the CEO, his name is Sam actually told us happened. The CEO claims that one of their employees was in a co-working space. He left his secured laptop unsecured and someone in that co-working space logged into his Blockfolio account, changed Bitcoin to Coin, then had the knowledge of how to infiltrate their system, send out a push notification that bared the language um, and it bared the language that we were not welcome on the platform and they wanted us to be remove ourselves from the platform. And it just was incredibly unbelievable, just as unbelievable last year, Black History Month time as it is today. And what we kind of figured is that they did that for a marketing scheme. And why we thought that they may do that as a marketing scheme that would hurt us is because within the nighttime. And I'm going to say this happened in the afternoon, uh, late evening. It happened when this went out. But during the night, every person that got a push notification was gifted Bitcoin from Blockfolio. They did that so that people would not flee the app. But what they also did was authorize one point five million dollars in Bitcoin giveaways. So that a lot of there's so many things to say about that. And we'll, we'll kind of chop that up, you know, when we move forward. But, um, you know, it's really interesting that they would do this during Black History Month. Again, I think it's a big marketing scheme, just like it's a big marketing scheme for them to be giving away millions of dollars at the Super Bowl. But what I do want to say today is we have not forgotten. We are not using FTX. So while Bitcoin is phenomenal. And I say, you know, get your Bitcoin, however you can get your Bitcoin. But I'm going to say in this case, which I'll probably hopefully never have to say in history again, that all Bitcoin is not good Bitcoin. Because if you have to download and use the FTX uh, FTX app uh, to get your Bitcoin, I would say steer clear of it. Because, again, they did not do what they promised our black community that they were going to do. And so we'll talk about that. When we come forward, ladies and gentlemen, we have someone on the line that is going to share her thoughts when she heard about this yesterday. Uh, Again, you have the opportunity to call in. The number is 800-920-1580. And we are going to talk about Uh, FTX a little bit more. We're going to talk about Sam. We're going to talk about this, um, the Super Bowl giveaway and what it actually means to our community. And ladies and gentlemen, this is not the only thing happening in our space. You know, a lot of things have been uh, quieted down. And the reason it is, is because there's so much money at stake. Uh, As you know, we've got the crypto.com stadium. FTX actually holds Uh, Naming rights at another stadium. And so because there's so much money, people try their very best not to bring out these issues. But it affected our black community. It still affects our black community. And we have a lot to talk about. This is KBLA Talk 1580. All right. Now let's continue the conversation about FTX. So let me just give you all a... Quick little rundown of the events as they actually happen. So after that night where FTX, Blockfolio at the time, gave out all this money to its users to stay on the platform, we were actually able to have a conversation with CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, um, who is currently uh, one of the youngest billionaires, I will add, uh, just added because of FTX. On the scene, uh, we had an actual conversation with us, him. He came in to our clubhouse room. We had an in-depth talk. He gave us that explanation about um, he gave, uh, gave us that explanation about the computer being left wide open for somebody to get on. But what he did tell us is that Blockfolio, a.k.a. FTX, they had a commitment moving forward to partnership with us to reestablish some healthy ties and ongoing relationships with our community. Um, They more specifically said that they were going to offer us an opportunity to have our black centric coins listed. And why that's so important, ladies and gentlemen, is because what you don't know is on these exchanges, there is a lot of money that is being charged to actually list your coins if you have a coin on the exchange and so because of that it actually boxes some of the black centric coins out of those listings it's from anywhere from the tune of ten thousand dollars to three hundred thousand dollars to list the coin on some of these exchanges so if you want to know why a guap coin is not on the exchange or if you want to know why odua coin is not on the exchange or vibranium some of these coins is because it costs so much to have them listed but Mr. Sam Bankman-Fried said to us that he would do some sort of a discount, or he would assist us in helping us get some of our black-centric coins listed, which. Um, was one of the promises. He also agreed to sponsor some of our VC demo days. Why is that important? Because venture capital money is needed in this space. There are so many of us with fabulous ideas and this VC space is no different from the other VC spaces. We have to get in front of folks that typically don't look like us and they don't offer us or allow us the opportunity to get the type of VC dollars that some of the other companies are getting. And so Sam at this time uh, agreed that he would sponsor some of our VC demo days uh, for some of our black entrepreneurs. He also talked about monthly sponsoring Clubhouse as well as sponsoring the Crypto Kids Camp which serves to educate our children inner city on emerging technologies. And I am here today to report to you that immediately following that conversation, his staff was Johnny on the spot to answer questions, answer emails, to engage us, because again, they wanted to let this die down. But as soon as they felt like they were in the clear, it went silent. Nobody responded to emails, nobody responded to text messages, Or DMs. And by March 8th. Now remember this incident happened February 9th. By March 8th. It was completely silent. And that is exactly where things are today. And this is February 11th. 2022. So I say to you again. That we can control nothing. Except where we spend our dollars. And even though FTX is giving out this money. Or this Bitcoin. During Super Bowl. All Bitcoin is not good Bitcoin. So with that, uh, there are network marketing companies. There are people that are out here in the African-American community teaching about cryptocurrency, but they don't tell you about those things because of the fact that they probably get a little bit of a kickback from those companies for bringing their people to those exchanges to do business. We have a young lady on the line with us today. Her name is Antoinette. I'm going to ask for For her to share her experience and let's talk about something uh, that she had no idea was going on before yesterday. Uh, Antoinette, welcome to the call. Antoinette. Hello. Hi. How are you?
3: Hi, I'm good. Thank you, Miss Naji. Thanks. Thank you for all that you do and having me on the stage and on the air.
1: Yes, ma'am. So so tell us how you learned. Well, we know how you learned about FTX because we were talking about it yesterday. But tell me how you learned. And, uh, you know, as far as the company that you were embarking on working with, uh, just kind of share a little bit about that and how you felt when you just found out yesterday.
4: Okay,
3: Um, I'm on a trading platform um, where me and a group of people learn about Forex and auto trading. The head sponsor, he's black. Um, he encouraged us for weeks now to download and use FTX US for our ex- exchanges. So Wednesday, I said, "Okay, let me go ahead and just um, Google FTX and see what it's all about, and go ahead and, and download it if I if I like what I see on Google." So I Google. Um, I looked at the. Um, I I seen FTX was the top three exchange. No fees. They had great reviews. It was regulated out of Bahamas, but nothing popped up, um, saying anything about the nigga coin. So I said, okay. So, uh, what I did that evening, I went on heading, um, KYC three exchanges, um, two coins, um, uh, Kraken. They were both was easy, uh, and I got verified right away. So I said, okay, let me just go ahead and do one more, um, with the FTX had a difficult time with them uploading my ID 3 times so I finally got uploaded with three attempts. and um and so now I was waiting um I'm waiting for my account i was going to form my account the next morning Thursday because it was late when I finally got um verified with them so and this was the time that night when I was uh, watching uh Women of the Movement the new series they, they came out mm-hmm. where uh, I don't know if anybody aware of it, but it, it's a song that was brutally murdered in Mississippi, and three white men um, got off on um, found not guilty. It was in nineteen fifty five, it's a series it just came out this month. So that was I was very emotional while I was doing all of this that night. Very upset, you know. This month is is very um, sensitive to us. This you know doing February yes. um, awareness sharing caring. I'm big on that. So any little thing triggers me this month. So I'm, I'm already frustrated and hurt and emotional, pissed off when I was looking at this movie, um, this episode that night. Um, so I had a severe headache. I ended up having to take up my motoring that night. So some things just weren't sitting well with me. So I woke up that morning and got on with um, BBB, Black B&S, um, to wake up with Bitcoin for um, Beginners on a clubhouse. And the moderators, when I got on, the moderators was talking. They came up and started talking about FTX. So I rose up because I was laying down because I still had a slight headache. So when they was talking about FTX, about what went on behind the scenes last year with the Nigga Coin, and and I just got up and my whole heart just dropped. drop. My stomach started, you know, twisting up and up and down. And and I spoke on the stage, but. I had no idea, and I'm to get ready to join this and fund my my money that morning uh, with FTX, and 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 I was devastated. So this is this is this is needed. We need to be enlightened on what's going on behind the back because we don't know. We sign up with these exchanges platforms, and, and we don't know what's what's been going on in the in the back Because I'm not gonna be behind and, and be with no one that's racist so we don't have enough of that we don't have enough of that we, we have and 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 as you know and, and Miss not we get very emotional when things trigger us Yeah. so so that's that's where i'm at now and i'm here and um uh, moving forward um I'm I'm just going to do a little bit more digging before I sign up with these exchanges in this Bitcoin
1: space. Yes, ma'am. And I appreciate you coming on and sharing that bit of information just so folks really know, um, you know, real experiences from real folks that are out there in this space. And so uh, when we come forward, we're going to hear from Black Regal. Uh, This is KBLA Talk 1580.
2: Be sure to follow and subscribe to all our socials at KBLA Talk 1580 on Facebook, Twitter, and IG. Stay in touch with us by downloading the all-new KBLA Talk 1580 app on your smartphone. Carry the convo wherever you go. And keep it locked to the only talk station that gives you a voice. voice. KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. Interrogating your assumptions. Your inventory of ideas. Let's get back to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580.
5: All
1: right, welcome, welcome. Uh, Black Regal, let's hear what you have to say about this FTX debacle.
0: I just appreciate you for uh, being willing to uh, even bring this uh, to light. So, what what I experienced wasn't like a third party thing but i you know i was there i was there for this that whole experience what you talked about I experienced the exact same thing from seeing it on the exchange to um you know calling them to the carpet along with the rest of us and then them uh some of their people bringing the c e o to the room uh the thing that alarmed me the most uh when the individual came to the room is that they just they seemed very Uh, nonchalant about the whole situation. Even willing to uh, commit to any any type of even disciplinary action for the employee that did uh, allow this to happen. And then the the excuse I just found was just, it it was just, like, for him, what what he said to us was the individual left their uh, device or their computer open in a co-working space for hours unattended. Like it just it just seems like just completely unreasonable um what happened. And then on top of that, we weren't really even demanding anything until this individual was willing to commit to uh some of the initiatives that we were already doing and have continued to do since then. Um and so this person joined along and said that they made a commitment to those said initiatives that we're already carrying out within our communities but you know again they reneged on all those um, and shout out to all those sponsors who have uh, continued to support black initiatives in our communities uh, through uh, demo days and the like and uh, sponsoring our nonprofits and things of that nature
1: yes sir and what do you think about the article um, you know that end article where uh, Mr. Sam says that he gave to the ACLU <laughs>
0: Uh, I think it's laughable because that's not the community uh, that was directly affected because that community is not an active participant in this uh, crypto community. The people who saw it are the people who interact with the technology and interact with these exchanges. Those are the people who were affected, who were offended, and who saw it. And, And we are the people who are participating in that industry. That's like you offending the black people in one industry and then you're going to a completely different sector and funding them because you offended someone else. You know, it, it's just I just think it's um, it's not it's not excusable. And then also uh, it was a commitment made. So that's a that's a whole nother thing.
1: Yes, sir. Well, I did all that. And I appreciate you for coming on and sharing your perspective. And when we come forward, we are going to hear from Cheryl and Larry. We'll talk with you in a few KBLA Talk 1580.
3: KBLA,
2: Black LA's only destination for unarmed truth and unconditional love. The time for silence has passed. The time to speak is now. now. at KBLA Talk 1580, Not just during Black History Month, but every day of the year. The year. A little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now.
1: All right, let's jump back in. Welcome, Cheryl, to the call. Hello, Hello, hey. hi, Cheryl. How
4: are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for bringing this to the attention, this uh, to the forefront. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, um, I wanted to ditto off of uh, Black Regal was, you know, you were mentioning the ACLU and how they donated and the ten dollars they gave to per person, all that hush money, you know, and um, I say hush money because a lot of us back. Last year, that got that push, we got that message on our phones to get off their uh, exchange. More than likely, didn't even want to respond back. And a lot of us got off just by that obnoxious uh, message that they did send. Yes. But uh, saying all that to say this, I just wanted to say, um, uh, uh, Sam, it's your opportunity to show your integrity. And to you know fess up and and step up to help the initiatives uh, for our black uh, youth uh, and as well as our entrepreneurs and our creators um, in that space in in the in in the technology space um, you know you, you, nobody's begging for his money. we're just giving him an opportunity to again fess up it's time. Um, When people go on Sunday Super Bowl and they start uh, going to Twitter, we need to continue to let them know exactly uh, who's behind the scenes and what was said behind the scenes. So I appreciate you coming up here and making it, you know, like I said, people might say, oh, that was a year ago, and he gave $10 to folks and and to um, an organization that has 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 nothing to do with the conversation and commitment he made uh on the net. Um just so people understand the uh the clubhouse uh group has receipts, so they have in you know, emails and so forth. So I just think that he should step up, you know, and in the meantime we need to hold him accountable. Absolutely, absolutely, we do, and sure. I thank
1: you, and I value your words and your opinion, and thank you for coming up today. And next, we have Larry.
5: Good morning. Well, it's it's afternoon in Los Angeles, right?
1: Yes, it's it's morning in LA still.
5: Oh, okay, great. Um, I just I would be remiss if I didn't state that there's an overall general nature when you go into some of these crypto and Bitcoin. Based podcast and platforms and what is it uh circles on twitter I'm feeling um uh, uh, ambivalent a little because a lot of the, the moderators are only coming from they I'm, I'm about to be bottom of the line they talk like you know people that have advanced degrees and anybody below that they're you know they're better than they're not going to simplify it are the majority of members of uh, the Melanin community. And uh, I just wanted to know, um, have you and some of the other listeners experienced that? So that I would like to make a comment about Coinbase.
1: Yes, we have definitely experienced that. And because I am bumping up against news and traffic, if you can just tell us that comment about Coinbase, I would really love it.
5: Yes, most definitely. So this morning I was thinking that Okay, I, got it. I initially uh, was baited by the hype, you know, direct deposit coin dates. But then, you know, under the guidance of wisdom, you know, I just said, let me read this fine print. So the fine print says, we're not a bank, and we're not insuring your cash. Nope. So that, that was disturbing. And then the, they're not interfacing with Cash App or Zelle, which a lot of... Um, melanin people are using cash app because of remittance and type of sending money to help the less fortunate um brothers and sisters. I looked at that as some um, and I know they have racial issues as far as staffing, but I also was disturbed by that how they're promoting this direct
1: deposit yes because they are definitely promoting that to our community and uh you know larry i so so appreciate you i just have to say this really quick as we bump up against our traffic and news that african-american buying power exceeds 1.4 trillion dollars we have the autonomy to spend where we want where we want and i beg you in this cryptocurrency space do not cash your Pearls among swine. KBLA Talk 1580.
2: KBLA 1580, Santa Monica. All
1: right, welcome to KBLA Talk 1580. This is your girl, Naja Roberts, aka Young Harriet, leading my people out of financial slavery. And we are on ahead of the crypto curve. And that last hour was jam packed with some issues as it relates to racism. Uh, We're going to continue that conversation when we're talking about diversity and inclusion. But always we're going to make sure that we understand how the cryptocurrency space directly affects the black community. And that being said, uh, my husband and I have frequented conferences either as attendees or speakers for, I don't know, the last five years. And we are Always, not sometimes, but always the extreme minority in the conference uh, to the tune of sometimes even being five out of two, three thousand people at those conferences. And so the reason why um, we are so adamant about making sure that our community has access is because we sit and we see folks that are making millions of dollars. On a daily basis, Um, in fact, this very last weekend, I went to a mining conference in Austin, Texas, uh, in which I was a speaker on a panel called Women in Crypto, Um, and I was standing in line behind a young gentleman who looked to me to be about 23, 24, and he was speaking to some of the other participants in line talking about his next conference that he was going to have now I don't know who the gentleman was but everybody else did you know and I, I, I get that way uh, most times because again when there's only five of you out of uh, two or three thousand you tend to forget some of the names but you don't forget the faces but this young gentleman was talking about how he started uh, with anticipation having his next conference in Los Angeles and how his deposit was 1.5 million dollars and and how that didn't quite work out because of the mass mandates, et cetera, et cetera. And he decided to move his conference to Miami. That being said, this gentleman said, you know what? We just went ahead and said, forget it. We left our deposit in LA and we're now holding our conference in Miami. $1.5 million was not refunded to him, he went on to say. And I looked down at his shoes. And I took a picture of his shoes and I'll post that on my social media a little bit later because this is what walking away from one point five million dollars looks like with holes in the bottom of his shoes, shoestrings, tennis shoes looking frayed. And we are here in our community still trying to keep up with the Joneses and don't have one point five dollars towards retirement. I am screaming from the hilltops that we are missing it as a community. Uh, Not only are we missing it, we're not really understanding how this is, how wealth is being created. And as we move into this next hour, uh, not only do we need to understand that money is changing, but how money is being created and how money is being made and how it affects the black community is so vitally important. So this next hour, we're going to spend talking about Bitcoin mining mining is something that uh, our community has overlooked. And I will say some of us have overlooked because when I was first introduced to Bitcoin, there was a group of friends uh, that were getting together to put their money together to mine. They mined for Bitcoin uh, really early on, on their regular CPUs, on their regular computers. My husband and I were in financial services and we thought that what they were doing was absolutely ridiculous and absurd because, um, there was no need for this new money because money was doing just fine. And I know a lot of you out there that are listening think money is doing just fine. So there's no need for this, but I will have to share with you that mining uh, and this mining conference that I went to this last week has totally changed uh, some of the way that I think about Bitcoin. And again, mind you, prior to this mining conference, I wasn't of the, Uh, mindset that Bitcoin changes everything. But I saw something at this mining conference that forever changed me. And now I am making that uh, declaration that Bitcoin can solve anything. And so uh, as we seek in this next hour to understand Bitcoin mining and how it actually equates to and will help the black community, I have some folks, some experts that are on the line waiting to share with you uh, about Bitcoin mining, what it is and how we may or may not be able to get involved. A lot of people ask if it's too late to mine. Uh, They want to know if they can do it on their computers. And all of those questions, ladies and gentlemen, will be answered in this next hour as we take a deep dive into Bitcoin mining. There are other mining coins that you can mine for so a lot of people are mining for helium Uh, Our children early on at Crypto Kids Camp, they're now mining Skycoin and there's different things that you can mine. But we're going to talk about Bitcoin mining specifically because we are convinced uh, through our education, through our knowledge, through what we see on a daily basis, that Bitcoin is that coin that we definitely need to be mining. Um, With that being said, Bitcoin is our go to so I'm not saying that you can't mine for other cryptocurrencies, but I am saying that we need to learn and understand how we fit in with this Bitcoin mining. So when we come forward, we will have Kimberly Booker and Valton, excuse me, Valtin from BTC Impact. This is KBLA 1580.
2: Be sure to like and follow Tavis Smiley at The Real Tavis Smiley. And get Twitter updates at Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues when we come forward. Forward. Conversations that matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. 1580.
1: All right. All right. And we are into our mining conversation, but I have to take a second because we're getting some messages in asking what our call to action is against FTX for the Super Bowl. If you go to my social media, I put out a tweet. Uh, You can retweet it with your own comments. So if you go to Naja Roberts on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, you can retweet to just make our community aware about what FTX did not do. Um, and ensure that uh, we get some action on this item and so that we just need to be aware. So I'll say that we'll leave it at that. And next, um, we're going to again, we're moving into our cryptocurrency conversation. And I have Valton and I have Kimberly on the line. And I'm going to bring them on and I am going to let them introduce themselves, tell you who they are and what it is they do. Valton and Kimberly, welcome.
6: Thank you, thank
1: you, Naja. Can you? me? Yes, we can hear you Hi. just fine. Hi, Valentin. I can hear you too, Kimberly. Great. All right. So, Kimberly. Kimberly is the co-founder of BTC Impact. Um, she is the co-founder of another organization called ABL, A L B, excuse me, Child Safety Foundation, and she has over four decades of community service and mixed media experience. From her Fortune 100 career, and she is a award-winning nonprofit achievements individual. One of those individuals who absolutely make a difference in every community that she touches. And she came into the cryptocurrency space in the Bitcoin space, and she has the best of both worlds in front of her. Um, she is with BTC Impact and BTC BTC Impact was founded uh, to be a champion of change. They are a philanthropical uh, movement in the Bitcoin and metaverse ecosystem. So welcome, Kimberly. How are
6: you today? Thank you so very much, Naja. I'm doing outstanding. I really and um, I did want to just quite mention on the tail of what you were just talking about with FTX and such. We as a community, we have got to be heard. So please tweet, retweet, uh, tag them, tag their CEO, let them know that we are not going to go for the okie doke. Um, and just as Naja said, you know what, you guys, all free Bitcoin ain't good Bitcoin. So this is an opportunity that we can let let it go. And we can certainly use this shine that they're getting to show the whole world what they did not do for the community by which they harmed.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And I appreciate that. And Valton, I did not get the opportunity to properly introduce you. So I would like for you to share with us, first and foremost, how long you have been in the Bitcoin space, which I know uh, you are a veteran in this game.
7: Okay. well, thank you. My name is Valton Eason. And um, I just want to say, will will you cut me off if I I go too far or do I have some time?
1: (laughs) No, you're good. Go (laughs) ahead.
7: Okay. Okay. My first exposure with Bitcoin came at a meeting with, um, uh, an attorney friend of mine I was working with, we were working on, you know, many other types of business in the legal, uh, field and he brought it to my attention. And I want to say this was 2009, 2010. And, uh, during that meeting, we kind of ended the other work and kind of went into that with Satoshi's white paper and the like, of course I was only catching, you know, Bits and pieces of what he was filtering through. He had had a background in uh, computers and and the like, so this was, you know, he had a, a fuller understanding, and he was uh, in, empowering me with this knowledge. Um, and at that point, I think Bitcoin was nine cents. What? Therefore, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <yes>, at, <laughs> at, at nine cents, I was ready to buy some that day. But the website that I went to was basically, I was calling things a dead website. When you click the buttons and nothing happens, that would just frustrate me. You know I just really felt that computers should not have to turn off and look back on to get things together. So I was kind of like an Archie Bunker as far as uh, computer failings and, and things of that nature. So that really frustrated me. And so I said that to say this, I literally would have brought maybe $200 worth that night and would have continued on. But I did not. Mm. <laughs> so, and, and you know, so, so that's the first sad story that Bitcoin will allow you and cryptocurrencies will allow you multiple times to become a multimillionaire. And I'll just put it to you like that. And that's in hindsight. Um, but just to, just to kind of put that together, had I known or had we been into mining at the time, I think that would have been a little more localized, especially when you just plug a USB uh, file into your computer and and let it go. I think that would have been a little more hands on than trying to go through these websites and onboarding. Now, onboarding is the process of getting into Bitcoin, purchasing it uh, from fiat currency or or not. And literally, it was uh, three to five years before i onboarded some bitcoin what
1: man and and i want to say this really quickly because this is what we don't want our community to do because you don't have five to ten years you don't have five years family i'm telling you right now uh and i'm gonna scream from the hilltops the sky is falling uh you don't have five years so we don't want you to take valton's stance please listen as we go forward so valton when did you get into bitcoin mining
7: Okay, around twenty thirteen, maybe the end of twenty twelve, well, well, literally twenty thirteen. I would definitely say um, uh, we got into Bitcoin mining. Me and that same attorney, uh, we we formed a company and we, you know, we had we had a place we leased it out and we found us a um, someone that would run the mining operation. And that was Marshall Long, who actually is the co-founder with us uh, at um, BTC Impact. Okay, now. We it literally, and, and I got a funny story. Like right as we were starting this up, you know, um, the attorney friend Leo, he was definitely forward thinking, and we ended up going to a conference in Las Vegas in 2013, and you know, literally walking into the the conference area and stand at those stand up tables. Uh-huh. You know, is a table, but you stand up. <laughs> the person that was there and we were trying to formulate, what do we want to get into? What do we want to do? We knew we were mining, but there was so many other things out there. The, I do believe he was the CEO of Kraken was right there. <laughs> so we're wow. having a conversation with him, you know, and Leo being an attorney, he really got a lot of spotlight because, you know, everybody, we didn't know what to call things. Was Bitcoin an asset or currency or was it all this and that? So, you know, it, it really propelled him into the into the space that way. And me, I was a, a very much a visionary, um, and I was I, I was seeing this as a universe that was forming from complete darkness. Bitcoin being one bit of light, Ethereum and uh, all the other cryptos coming in, offering what they offered, and we fill it into a sort of mosaic that is here now. So yes, I'm prophetic with, with 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 what's here, and now I'm able to work within it. Uh, Within the more and better, that but, is um,
1: awesome. So let me ask you and Chris. Let me ask you and Kimberly a quick question. Breaking it down because we have beginners and base folks that are are just beginning and starting to learn about Bitcoin. What is Bitcoin mining specifically? If one of you would would jump in with that,
6: so Kimberly, would
7: I'm you thinking,
6: like to do that? Sure, sure, sure. This is the simplest way that I think for your audience to absorb it. Bitcoin mining is a process by which there's blocks being built. So if you could imagine Lego blocks being built, but each Lego block brings the information with it from the previous Lego block, and then it creates a new block. So the previous Lego block are verified transactions, verified transactions that's been done with Bitcoin on the blockchain. And then that block then links on to create A new block. So basically every 10 minutes, a new block of data, a new block of verified transactions comes onto the blockchain. And then that block, after it's verified, it then verified by consensus, a group of people, a group of miners, thousands of miners with their computer minds saying, yes, everything in this block looks true. Everything in this block looks authentic. So now it's time for a new block. Miners then verify those transactions and create a, a new block for new verified transactions to belong to. And they drag along the history of the previous block. And that is pretty much without me becoming so technical. It's very similar to when you swipe your ATM card. That brown magnet strip on the back, on the back, it contains all the data about your account whether you have a valid account, whether you have enough in your account to make that transaction. And if you will sort of look at the ATM machine that you swipe that through as a computer, and it holds the data for whatever gets swiped through it. I sort of like to look at that somewhat similar to the blockchain. And so it verifies. So you can't just tell a cashier that you have enough money in your account. You've got to swipe that card. Well, in this case, the block verifies the block contains the history and one thing about the blockchain it is something that is immutable it's unhackable and because if you hack one block you have to hack the block before that and the block before that and what miners do is we validate those transactions on the blockchain with our computers also called miners and when you mine for bitcoin you actually when you unlock that block you get a reward of 6.25 Bitcoin. That's roughly about 240000 to forty to $270,000 that miners are making whenever that block is unlocked and creates a new block. So can one solo miner do this? Absolutely. We've seen that happen in the past month. But most people and most companies belong to a mining pool, giving them more ranges of chances, to be the one mining machine that unlocks that block.
1: So I am going to ask you to repeat how much that reward is for that, for that block. How much was that again?
4: So,
6: so currently the block reward is 6.25 Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. 6.25 Bitcoin. Now, mind you, as with anything else, it does as well, sort of think of it in terms of a lottery. We always say, oh, it makes no sense to play the lottery. You're not going to hit. But we also know somebody hit. So
5: right. that means
6: that somebody, in the statistics of one in 270 million, 100 and 325 million, one person always hit. So that one mining machine, there is going to be a mining machine that's going to hit. The difference is, Naja, whether that mining machine belongs to a huge company or whether it belongs to you and your husband because you have four in your garage.
1: So let me ask this. So um, I've heard so many people say that it is unprofitable to mine at home and actually impossible to mine at home. So is that a fallacy or is that correct?
6: Again, it's as unprofitable. And and I, I like to use the parallel of the lottery. What here's some factors that you do need to consider quickly, you need to consider how much do you pay per kilowatt hour for your electricity, you can find that out on your bill. How much electricity are you willing to put towards mining? These machines need electricity. So are you willing to take on the expense of running one machine, one ASIC S9, and those are the machines that mine strictly for Bitcoin, or do you want to set up three or four, or do you want to put them in your garage? They do have a noise component and a heat component. They put out heat. So it's all up to you. However, would you be the one person that would unlock a block? Could it be you? That's not impossible. You can look into Bitcoin Magazine. You could go online and Google solo miners. Those are individuals that aren't with companies, and they just mine independently themselves. But the likelihood is rare. But does it happen? Yes. And that's where I want our community to get involved, whether we come together with our resources or whether we teach each other how to solo mine. And Nigel, I think you, I want to bring this up very quickly. Balson and I are working a movement to get our HBCUs aboard so that we could teach them about mining and so that they can create a new revenue stream for their educational institutions. How cool would that be?
1: Well, we definitely want to hear about that. And what I'm going to ask you to do is hold off on the HBCU conversation because we want to make sure that we roll that out and spell that out so that anybody that is listening that is has been a HBC alumni currently has a child in the HBCUs or anything of that magnitude, they can listen to what you all have to say and how, you know, our HBCUs can get involved in Bitcoin mining. And we'll probably do that at the bottom of the hour. So I wanted to ask Valton really quickly. Uh, Valton, a lot of times folks come to me and they say, well, you know, um, when will that last Bitcoin be mine? And then will mining be totally over? Um, So can you give them the actual year that the last Bitcoin will be mined?
4: Wow,
7: just off the top, I know it's uh, I think 140 years from now. The yes, Bitcoin sir. Bitcoin will be finally hashed.
5: <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, and none of us
7: will so, uh, be
1: alive for that. And I totally understand <laughs> that. But I want you uh, mm-hmm. when when we come forward, I want you, Valton, to really just share with us uh, in in just a few. And we're gonna again, we're up against news and traffic. But I want you to share when we come forward how. The miners are going to benefit after the year 2140 when no more Bitcoin is actually being created. If we can do that when we come forward, this is KBLA Talk 1580.
2: KBLA Talk 1580. Unapologetically progressive radio. Black owned and operated from the heart of Leimert Park, USA. USA. We're listening and the convo continues right right now. thinking of a master plan. This ain't nothing but sweat inside my hand So I dig into my pocket all my money spent So I just deep up, still coming up
0: with lint So I start my mission, leave
1: Alright, this is KBLA ahead of the crypto money. curve This is Talk 1580 And we are talking about mining And this song is absolutely relevant Because when we dig and figure out what we can do uh, You know, I've just paid attention A little bit more to mining, even though we talk about it. We know it exists. Um, This week was an eye opener for me. Uh, I have Valton and Kimberly here and Valton is going to share because I get this question all the time. In 2140, when there is no more Bitcoin that needs to come into circulation, because if you all remember when we talked about the relevance of Bitcoin and its scarcity, it's supply versus demand. There will only be twenty-one million Bitcoin ever created. So, in twenty-one forty, there will be no more Bitcoin created. Then, after that, what happens? And so, um, Valton, if you could share with us what 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 will the miners' jobs turn to after the creation of Bitcoin is no more in twenty-one forty?
7: I want to tell you this: back in um, the back in the day, we named our company Final Hash. So we were looking for this <laughs> and <Wow. laughs> um, basically, yeah. So, so basically mining uh, in that, in that last year will be split. We'll be splitting Satoshi's hopefully down to its, uh Well, down to the Satoshi and which is one, one hundred millionth of a Bitcoin, mm-hmm. a hundred thousandth of a Bitcoin. And uh, so after that last uh, Satoshi has been uh, taken out, the, everything will turn into a transaction fee. So the miners will receive some type of transaction fee to stay on board to continuously uh, verify the transactions.
1: Okay, okay. So there will be a need for miners because some folks just seem to feel like after that there will be no more need for miners. So I'm going to ask you this question um, actually to both of you. So thinking about what you're saying, and I know that none of us will be alive in 2140 uh, unless something comes up and they come up with some phenomenal technology but I don't even know that I want to do that but uh, that being said if someone right now is looking at starting a mining company and I know Kimberly has some words to say about this because just this week she and I were having a conversation if somebody wants to get into mining today February 11th twenty twenty two what would be your suggestion to them? and I'd like to hear from Valton first because I know that Kimberly has something else different because she and I were at the same conference, mining conference this week. but what do you think valton about somebody wanting to pop up and start their own um mining facility right now today?
7: I think that would be a brilliant idea once again. Uh, uh The disconnect happened with me and going through other parties to maybe purchase Bitcoin uh, 10, 11 years ago. But with mining, you definitely be more hands on. You would be able to get assistance from YouTube or definitely from uh, BTC Impact or any of us. And you would be in a process that is all your own. Keep your equipment in good working order, even though it might not. uh Oh, wow. Some news has hit in the last week. Uh, last couple of weeks, that I believe three solo miners have gotten the whole block reward. Wow. You know, uh, yeah. So, so, it, so the lottery discussion that Kim had, uh, mentioned is really real. And uh, don't forget, you will get a piece of a Bitcoin, even if you're in a pool with several other miners or thousands of other miners, you know, you get into a pool, but your block reward will be small, but it's something. So the value of Bitcoin versus the dollar, and it's so hard for us to always think on that. And I think Kim will probably touch on that more. But uh, when we think of things in dollar terms, we kind of devalue what Bitcoin will be in the future. So Mm -hmm. mathematically, (laughs) yeah, mathematically, we have to stay focused on what uh, the scarcity of Bitcoin and the like. And I think I've kind of run away from your question. So uh, could you repose it so I can make sure I, I get it right?
1: No, no, no. You answered it perfectly. You answered it perfectly. And I appreciate you both. I want to switch reels. Uh, and I would like for you all to start talking about the company that you all co-founded together called BTC Impact. So if you all can share um, how you all came together and what the mission of BTC Impact is and for our black colleges. And I mean, we don't have to rush through it because we have some some time to talk and we want to make sure that we're as thorough as
6: possible. But what is BTC Impact? Um, so BTC Impact is a nonprofit, an educational nonprofit that has um, three missions pretty much. And Valton, please fill fill in if if I don't uh, do us justice. But I believe our first mission is philanthropic.
3: Our goal
6: is to spread education of the Bitcoin ecosystem to our black community, to our brown communities, to our Asian communities, to our underserved and disenfranchised communities, to our poor uh, Caucasian communities so that they will understand the freedom and self-sovereignty that Bitcoin holds for them. For some communities, this may be their only shot at the leveling of the playing field. And so we are a boots on the ground, grassroots organization that goes to the people and take the education to where they are. Our second mission, mission is to tap into the, um, the benevolence of some of these high-tech companies who normally wouldn't think community service or wouldn't think benevolent or giving back. And we act as the conduit. We act as that agent that helps them to give back to the community and help them to see what giving back looks like, tastes like, feels like, and let them see the faces through their donations. And most of these donations are in machinery. And so we get them to donate um, older generation, Bitcoin mining machines to us, and we, in turn, use those in our educational programs, educating students, um, the community on Bitcoin mining, Bitcoin education, and what it means to be in this space. And then lastly, our goal is to partner with other nonprofits and other businesses who are doing this work as well and other individuals and just be a help meet to them and be a partner to them and join forces with them to strengthen their missions and their endeavors as we strengthen our own. So those are the three principles and the three reasonings um, for BTC impact, and that's how we move forward. And, Valentin, please add on to that.
7: Yes, Um yeah, pardon me. Yeah, um, basically coming in and mining, I, I believe, just really t- fine tunes you into. Uh, oh, so- so Let's like <laughs> Pardon me. Um, BTC Impact. We will put together through a relationship with w- through Kim's Dynamics and Marshall. Uh, Marshall was uh, um, was uh, a partner with me on Final Hash, and when after I guess speaking to Kim. He really felt he saw something here, a synergy that we could we could bring up and bring out, and with that information, he teamed us up together and um and we've been making hopefully beautiful music ever since
1: well, that's awesome that's awesome so um what I wanted to ask or what I want to reiterate is that. If you have are are listening today and you are a part of a nonprofit organization or if you are a nonprofit organization, you can partner with BTC Impact um, to bring Bitcoin mining to your organization. Uh, They have a phenomenal program. Uh, They have just recently sent and donated mining machines to Crypto Kids Camp, which is how I found out about their absolutely great program. Uh, Again, there was no cost to us uh, to get those machines. We are putting those machines online today and I'll be able to report to you all, uh, you know, the amounts of Bitcoin that we earn over the the month. And every nonprofit organization is always looking for funding. We're always looking for ways to raise money. And what better way to do it than to utilize uh, Bitcoin mining machines to offset Uh, Some of those smaller things that we uh, need to do and to bring some income into the organization. So when we come forward, we're going to actually talk about and have a deep dive about how BTC impact can impact the financial stability of our HBCUs. This is KBLA Talk 1580.
2: We've got a lot to talk about. Good thing we've got three hours. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. Broadcasting live from Lamar Park, USA. Welcome back to your home for unapologetically progressive radio. KBLA Talk 1580.
1: All right, all right. This is KBLA Talk 1580 ahead of the crypto curve with Naja Roberts. And we have Kimberly and Valton here. Uh, Kimberly and Valton, let's talk about HBCUs. Our HBCUs are struggling financially and they are looking for ways to uh bring in funds to help their students with retention, to help just all around administratively, everything. So what does BTC Impact offer to our HBCUs?
7: I think uh BTC Impact we could definitely um spark or light the fire for HBCUs to come in. And, um, build long term wealth. I always like to hear a person like Michael Saylor, who's over a Fortune uh, 100 or 500 company, and the way that he speaks on money and currency and the long term value of Bitcoin, you know, bringing Bitcoin onto their, uh, balance sheet. I think HBECU would be excellent for it, given, given longevity of the school and the longevity of Bitcoin mining, the energy, you know, they, they basically have energy that's paid for. So I think it will be an excellent tradeoff for B, uh, BC, BCUs to actually get into uh, crypto mining. Kimberly, would you share that up?
1: Kimberly?
6: Can you ask me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Dalton, did you attend an HBCU by chance?
4: Oh, okay. Did you
6: repeat well, that? I'm sorry. I said, did you attend an HBCU by chance?
7: I uh, surely did, Texas Southern University right here in Houston.
6: <laughs> okay. I wanted you to shout them out really quickly before I got started. Well,
1: well then so I got to you- got to come in with Bethune-Cookman College. We can't we can't just let him do that.
7: <laughs> yeah, yes. well, okay. Well, it, it, I got a door that brings you, <laughs> so we got to throw another one in the, all in the right. fire. All right, all right, all
1: right.
6: <laughs> Okay, yeah. go ahead, so, Kimberly. Yes, even though you are the hostess, I'm going to have to say Spartans in the house, Norfolk State University, <laughs> and, and had a, a baby bulldog in my house as well, Bowie State University.
5: All so right. uh,
6: so you could see the the impact of HBCUs amongst the, the the mines that are here in this crypto space or even on this radio station, right? So we really feel like what Bitcoin mining could do for HBCUs is... is phenomenally threefold. So first and foremost, it's going to be a new stream of revenue for them, right? Um, Most of their energy is subsidized. And so with that, that means that they will stand to be on a profitable side of things to begin with. So that's number one. Number two, the innovation. So you have students that are at these HBCUs chomping at the bit, really wanting to know about blockchain technology really wanting to know about emerging technologies cryptocurrency fintech so by us supplying the machinery to colleges and universities that may not otherwise have the resources to purchase this machinery we come in we teach we teach the faculty we teach the students we have them set it up we have them get their hands dirty Bringing it online, understanding the software. And then we show them what the revenue split looks like and they monitor it. They not only monitor the equipment, but they're monitoring their revenue that's being generated. So it's hands on training, Naja. It's hands on training that most minors didn't get when they were in school. You know, they they didn't, no such thing existed. So what we're doing is groundbreaking. Back in the fall of 2021, we stood up our first academic mining club on the campus of University of Wyoming. Remember that, Valtin? And we went viral doing so. So the University of Wyoming is the first school in the United States to legitimately mine for Bitcoin with the curriculum and with an accredited class to surround that. So we want HBCUs to be involved. We've got to get them involved. So if you're within the sound of my voice and you're a decision-maker at an HBCU, reach out to us. Reach out to Naja; She can get in contact with us in a minute. Reach out to BTC Impact. We are btcimpact.org. Visit our website. Shoot us an email. But please know that we will not allow HBCUs to be left behind. As we go ahead in this Bitcoin ecosystem, we can't, Nausea. we cannot. And unfortunately, we've not heard back from HBCUs as we reached out to them So, we want to talk about what's the past, though. We want to talk about moving forward. So we want that decision maker, that HBCU president that's saying, hey, you guys are just what I was looking for. Let's talk. Get on the line with us and let's see what we can do to shore up some resources for your school and to bring some of your students on board as we, as, as Najah likes to say, the revolution will be digitized.
1: Yes, it will. Yes, it will. And I'll say this again, that everything can be solved with Bitcoin. KBLA Talk 1580
2: talk 1580 we are, we black, are history. black history 24 hours a day seven, days a, seven week. days a week 365 days a year 366 days in the leap year we never turn in our black card kbla talk 1580 your ancestors favorite radio station <laughs> interrogating your assumptions and expanding your inventory of ideas let's get back to tavis smiley on kbla talk 1580 80, 80.
1: All right, ahead of the crypto curve, we are going to announce again our winner, Vernine Mincy. You are the winner of the KBLA Black History Month swag bag that we're giving away this month for Black History Month. Um, For anyone else that's listening in, all you have to do is download or open the KBLA 1580 app. And actually go on there and tell us who your favorite historical figure is from Black History Month. That's all you have to do. And every single day uh, you will be automatically entered to win the KBLA Black History Month swag bag. And I've saw it, it is full of some great and incredible gifts. And so all you have to do is just download that app on KBL for KBLA 1580 or um, just open it if you've already downloaded, but don't forget to enter to win, ladies and gentlemen. And again, to Ver- Vernine Mincy, congratulations for that. So, uh, as we move towards the top of the hour, and we're going to get into some great information in just a few about the metaverse. I want to share with you a quick experience of mine this week at a actual mining farm and facility, ladies and gentlemen. If you are looking for a career, uh, something different from what you're doing, something that pays you more than what you uh, are currently being paid. Well, the cryptocurrency space has uh, mining and you can absolutely do that. And when we come forward, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to share with you uh, those experiences so you can find out about the ways that folks get paid in that industry. This is KBLA Talk 1580.
2: KBLA 1580 Santa Monica. All right. KBLA
1: Talk 1580 ahead of the crypto curve with Naja Roberts. We're just going to briefly talk about these mining companies that are out there. So we heard from Valton and Kimberly and they have BTC Impact. Uh, all of our nonprofit organizations, our HBCUs, anyone under the sound of my voice really needs to reach out to them to see how they can start bringing in some uh some revenue from the Bitcoin mining space. Uh, but something happened earlier this week for me. My husband and I traveled to Austin, Texas, in which I was a speaker for a uh, Bitcoin mining conference. I got an opportunity to actually take a tour of a Bitcoin mining facility. Uh, these fas- This facility actually had several buildings that were 1,000 feet uh, long, and they housed over 4,500 Bitcoin miners at one time and it was just absolutely incredible. Um, one of the things that I will say is that the culture around the mining company was just in, it was incredible. It actually blew me away from the time we got off the tour bus. The employees were happy. Everybody was getting along. And and sometimes when you see that, it seems sort of fake. But it really became surreal for me because I've never been in a place where employees were so extremely happy. And I was, you know, I was pressed to really find out why. Uh, one of the first things that I did see when I got off the tour bus was I saw African American young man. And I was super happy to see him. I was talking to him about the company and the culture, how they treat him. And he was telling me they treat him absolutely fabulous. We didn't get a chance to talk much, but the more I went through this mining facility, the more I saw More African-American men. And then I started to ask the question about diversity and inclusion in this space. And I found out that there were so many African-Americans working for this company specifically. Um, And it may not be in all companies, but I'm going to talk about the one that I was actually at. They said that at least one third of their workforce was African-American and that they had been hired with no prior experience. Their salary started at $80,000 a year up to about $175,000. The gentleman that I was talking to who actually happened to be the director over IT was at $175,000. Dollars a year which is incredible for our folks uh he he did tell me that he considered himself to be a nerd and he had been into computers but he had no prior knowledge of bitcoin mining and so uh it was very interesting to understand how these companies are nurturing their employees from zero to where they are right now and so um Giving the employees so many different benefits made those employees stay there and become very loyal to the company. And so with that being said, they got four weeks paid vacation, four weeks paid vacation uh, instead of two, which most companies do. Um, They also offer them medical, dental and vision, both in network and out of network. And several of the employees that we talked to, the company had actually purchased their houses for them. So we're talking a culture where people are going to come to work and produce uh, because they are a part of what is taking place. And the last thing I need to add is that they had revenue share. So as Bitcoin was mined and created, the employees had a pool that they all split the Bitcoin proceeds from, which is absolutely incredible. So I would suggest to each and every one of you, anybody that's interested in taking a look at the Bitcoin mining space to please do so. I will also say really, really quickly, because we have a fabulous guest waiting on us to explain what the metaverse is. I will also suggest to you or say to you again, the reason why I started this week saying Bitcoin solves everything is because if you've been listening to these last couple of hours, you've heard a commercial talking about the homelessness on the streets of Los Angeles and how it disproportionately affects the African-American community. I struggle with and have struggled with a project uh, that I'm doing called the Bitcoin Homeless Project. But after we get Bitcoin in the hands of our homeless, How do we then move them back into an industry? What industry could we possibly get our community involved in that is lucrative and sustainable? And when I left that, I was at that mining facility. I got an epiphany that that is what we can actually do for our community. So Again, I make the statement, Bitcoin solves everything because I saw what they were doing with their ex-offenders. I saw what they were doing uh, with several people that have been disenfranchised in the Bitcoin mining facility. They have brought them not back to life because they've always been alive, but they've brought them back to sustainability and enjoying life on another level. And I am certain that we can follow the model that is being done in the Bitcoin mining space and ensure that our community moving forward has a viable um, industry that they can get involved in. And I believe that we can do that with them in the next five years and totally totally changed the financial trajectory of our community. So what I set out to do when I got home from this mining conference is to really sit down and figure out how we move towards getting our community into Bitcoin mining, not necessarily owning our own mining facilities, because uh, there are some indications that we may not be able to scale quick enough to, to, to meet the needs of what's getting ready to transpire in the next five years years but if we join forces with those organizations that already have mining facilities we might be able to create and do some miraculous things with the homeless population along with our returning citizen population and i'm just crazy enough to be the one to spearhead that because i know and i see that it is possible Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to end the mining conversation and step into the metaverse. That being said, we have a fabulous young lady by the name of Nicole Maxwell. She is a expert in this metaverse field. We have been fortunate to have her on to share her wisdom. When we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580, the next voice you will hear will be that of the phenomenal Nicole Maxwell
2: be sure to like and follow Tavis Smiley at the real Tavis Smiley and get Twitter updates at Tavis Smiley the conversation continues when we come forward history is, now, history is now and you are part of it thank you for spending your days with KBLA talk 1580 let's jump back into the conversation we've got a lot to talk about talk about talk about
1: All right. All right. Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Roberts. I got to bring this sister in and give her her roses. Uh, You are about to hear from Nicole Maxwell. She is a seasoned implementation consultant with affinity for sci-fi gaming and technology. She has dedicated her time to helping people become more technologically savvy with the process for improving tools and training. After a career of migrating enterprises and organizations from decentralized processes to centralized systems, she recognizes the need for a meta mind shift. I want y'all to hear that again a meta mind shift. When it comes to this upcoming metaverse, she is our go to. She is now the chief. Metaverse officer for Black Multiverse Enterprises and Technical Consulting, where she is continually creating a space for individuals and small businesses, helping them find their way to the decentralized metaverse. Her community is called the Black Verse. It is dedicated to the education, training, and it is also advancing. Black people throughout the decentralized metaverse and multiverse. Connecting her to people uh, all over is what I aim to do today because she is going to help us understand the metaverse. Uh, If you need to learn how to utilize discord, if you need to learn how to get in the metaverse safely, and if you want to have a meta mind shift, please Welcome to our show today, Nicole Maxwell. Hey, Nicole. Hey. <laughs> Hi, how <laughs> hey, are you? <laughs>
8: I'm doing great. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. I am so excited about you from the from the day we actually met on Clubhouse and your power, your words, and what you bring to this space. And I have to admit uh, that being in cryptocurrency, uh, we don't understand everything. We don't know all. And when you find someone that knows their stuff, you want to really latch on to them and become a student. Um, And that's what I have become in the metaverse under you. So if you don't mind, what we'd like to do is the next, uh, I'm going to say 45 minutes. If we can pick your brain and find out just the basics, because we have heard that Facebook changed their name to Meta. And I know you have a lot to say about that, especially as it relates to our black community getting involved with that. But can you start by just telling us what the metaverse is?
8: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me here, naja. Uh Being near you and in your space is always uh, just refreshing and, and powerful because you are a powerhouse all on your own, and I, I appreciate being in, in the same vicinity. Well,
1: just uh, a reflection of you, sister. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> what is this doggone metaverse? Web 1, Web 2, Web 3? Like,
8: what is the metaverse? You know, I like to tell people that the metaverse, uh, for me is the culmination of all the things that I've enjoyed my whole life. So for me, that, ha- that is, uh, gaming, it's technology, sci-fi movies, and community. And so when you put all those things together, you kind of have the metaverse. Uh, to break it down a little bit more, um, the metaverse is the combination of uh, the decentralized metaverse is the combination of the blockchain, of the technology to get into the metaverse, which is Web 3.0, the decentralized metaverse, and uh, VR, AR, XR, and MR. And those R's are really important, right? So we have AR, which is augmented reality, VR, which is virtual reality, uh, XR, and MR, which are the combination of both. And so um, when you combine all of those things together with the power of the blockchain and web 3.0, you kind of have the internet that you can get up and walk around inside of. Uh, Typically, we're all used to web 2.0, right? Uh, We have web browsers. We have a bunch of tabs open right now. I'm looking at mine. I have a whole bunch of tabs open and I can scroll up. I can scroll down. I can scroll left and I can scroll right. That's web 2.0. That's where we are today. But when we think about the future, we're thinking about the metaverse. Web 3.0 enables us to get up and walk around inside of that Internet. So you're no longer limited to just kind of this 2D experience. You now have 3D. And you can instead uh, kind of envision, uh, a store and going to a store online. You might go and grab a, a shirt and, you know, pray it fits once it gets to you. Uh, but in the metaverse, you're going to have something called an avatar and your avatar is going to potentially look and reflect you. Uh, and so that avatar, you might slip it on, uh, slip on that shirt on that avatar and the avatar can wear that shirt. And then you know it's a good fit because that avatar reflects you, and you can go ahead and have it shipped to you. Uh, That browsing experience is actually happening inside of a store, and what I'm calling a storefront, instead of uh, a browser or a web page. You're actually inside of a store. You're walking around, whether you're in a headset or doing that maybe on a browser of sorts, a browser of the future. Uh, You are engaged in that actual space when you look up you look down you look around you are seeing and you are there and you are present in that space in that real time
1: so I'm going to just ask a quick question because you said that sweater can be shipped to you so I want to make sure that our listeners are aware that things that you may be able to purchase in the metaverse actually can show up at your real live house in the real world
8: Right so just like how you can uh you can go to a store right now uh you can go to, to Amazon and click a link and that link can can uh in turn take you through the checkout process and and you 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 know direct your product wherever you want it to go uh and then receive it through FedEx or or uh DHL or something like that um the same thing can happen once we're in the metaverse uh you're just going to experience things differently and then have it sent to you in a realistic way using that same type of checkout process. So
1: I'm going to lead in really quick before we go any further for any entrepreneurs that are out there, they can actually sell their physical goods and services inside the metaverse. And um, that's happening now. Uh, How early would they be? Or are there already companies that have started to uh, take over in that respect?
8: It's early for everyone, uh, for sure. Uh, there is, uh, there are people who are doing this. Uh, they're finding ways to make it happen, but it is definitely early. So if you're hearing this, then, uh, you are what we call a pioneer in this space. Uh, you can, uh, take your industry and kind of break it down and, and see kind of where you fit. And that's what I, uh, specialize in, in consulting and, uh helping people to actually have that meta mind shift. So what does it look like for your business to be here in the metaverse? Uh, how can you bring your operations here uh, as a small business, as uh an individual entrepreneur? What um what methods can you take to actually be here? So yes, uh people can, uh they are doing that in both centralized and decentralized metaverses, finding ways to bring what they're doing in the real world into this space uh, and that way they're having things happen in
1: both. Uh, absolutely. And so what I do want to point out really quick so that we don't have to, because I have some other pointed questions for you that I really want to ask. So I'm just make this quick clarification for folks. There are different metaverses. They're not all interconnected, uh, but what is the chance soon that there will be some interoperability for these metaverses, Nicole?
8: Man, I hope. I <laughs> hope. That is what I'm holding out hope for is that, you know, we get there to the point. Like technology is not there right now. Uh, it is not. But, um, you know, we are hearing that that the technologists are hearing us ask for it. Uh, so we had a conference a couple weeks ago, uh, and people uh, kind of the best and brightest in this field were talking about how, Uh, they can actually make interconnectivity happen. And so the conversations are happening, and I have to believe that if the conversations are happening, the work and output from that are are not too far uh, beyond. So I would say within definitely the next couple of years, we'll be seeing um, instances of this. It may not be a fully connected uh, metaverse, but we are going to make strides towards interconnectivity for sure.
1: Okay, absolutely. So, just again to just kind of keep it simple, so one would go, they would log into an actual website. Inside that website would be where the meta- metaverse that they picked actually where they would reside, and they function inside of that metaverse. They're able to buy uh, virtual clothes, but they're also able to have it shipped to them if they choose a service that is shippable in the physical realm. Um, And so I wanted to make sure there are uh, how many black metaverses are there? Let me ask that really quickly before we get going.
8: Oh, that's a loaded question. So, um, you know, we have a space that, uh, that Blackbird actually exists in. It is called Infiniverse. And Infiniverse is actually within the multiverse. Uh, so I don't want to get this too confusing, but, uh, there is a, an actual platform, uh, called Multiverse and that exists actually in the Oculus headset. Um, and it is, uh, a place that is up and coming. It is in beta right now they do have intention of, uh, you know, kind of implementing the blockchain technology into the metaverse there. So, um, you know, it's a place where we are uh, hopeful that that is actually happening um, because we are striving to be decentralized. However, um, in that space, people, they not only have storefronts, but um, you can have your own metaverse. So, uh, you know, just, this over the last couple of months uh, and the, the space is new. So over the last couple of months um, and weeks, even black wall street has popped up in, uh, in, uh, in Finnever. There's what? a whole entire black wall street there. Uh, and there are, you know, I would say hundreds of people who are actually there. Uh, and, and it's a space where, you know, you look around and you see all black folks and it's a beautiful thing um, with black verse. Uh, we are definitely building out our own um metaverse there as well, and okay. so we we do have that um and you know we are doing a museum for uh Black History Month that is there also um we also have spaces though, so it's not just in in uh infiniverse we are also in all space. We are also, uh, in Next Earth. There are plenty of metaverses that are out there. Uh, typically the top ones that you hear about are going to be Decentraland when you're talking about decentralized metaverses. You have Decentraland, Cryptovoxels, uh, Sandbox, Somnium Space, SuperWorld, uh, Next Earth, um, and, uh, uh, someplace and as well as Alt Space. Um, but, you know, it's great to see this because Outspace is actually a centralized platform. It's owned by Microsoft. But when we talk about black folks being in the metaverse, uh, that is where they are. Um, that that space is thriving with, with entrepreneurs and it's thriving with people who are uh, enjoying themselves in the space, whether that be on their desktop or a VR headset. Uh, we have a whole group of people um, that we meet up every Saturday from 12 to 2. Uh, if you want to join us, just join Clubhouse. Uh, and find me uh, and uh, the metaverse meetup there wow. uh, it happens every Saturday from twelve to two and we've taken that club uh, from you know just a handful of people I remember when I first uh, joined it was it was just probably like five of us and now the stage is full uh, every Saturday Wow so we have a good time there and it's it's there's a lot going on uh new new places to visit all the time uh, I cannot talk about that space without speaking about one of the best creators that i've uh i've ever met and her name is artsy and uh she is a 3d graphic designer and uh she creates social environments and spaces for people to be and so if you want to connect with her please do i will actually put her on my um on my contact information but she uh It's artsy and VR, and um, she is absolutely outstanding. Creates some of the most future-forward spaces that I've ever seen. Yes, 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 yes. So if you need to
1: contact Nicole or Artsy, I will have and make available all of their information. Again, I am in no way an expert in this metaverse. In fact, I uh, consulted with Artsy to get my first experience uh, in the metaverse and didn't even have my headset together. So I'm going to just say this to back up for newbies. So you do not have to have a headset. You can have a just a regular PC or desktop, correct?
8: Right. So some of these spaces you can access via a browser, uh, like Decentraland and CryptoVoxels. You can go there right now on your browser. I believe uh, Sandbox is the same as well. Um, And really experience those. Uh, You can also go in on your VR headset. And so there's a lot uh, that, that kind of opens up once you have that headset because that gives you the immersive experience, um, that only VR can actually provide right now, uh, and then you know other spaces offer augmented reality. And the difference between augmented reality and and virtual reality is that virtual reality is really immersive. It's it's um, kind of when you look up, you look down, you look all around. You're you're in, engulfed in that. You're space. in it. Yeah. You're yeah. in it. You are right there. And then uh, augmented reality, though, um, you have. Kind of, uh, like, like my friend Dre actually created a app and, uh, it is on the App Store and it's, um, something that I actually can pull into my living room and I can play it. It's a tower defense game that he created. Uh, and, and it's something I can stick on my floor and I can actually play it there. Um, so it's where you augment the reality that is around you. Okay. Well, let me
1: ask this question because I know we're not here to pub anybody's company uh, outside of our own what headset if someone was going to invest what headset would you suggest and I'm only saying this because I have a headset that uh, they were actually gifted to our children and come to find out we can't use them because we need another part but long story short they're like 1500 bucks and I would hate for somebody to buy something that's 1500 bucks and it's not complete or they need another piece so what would you suggest for a newbie just starting
8: so first of all, I'm always suggest buying black first. Uh, so I would suggest, uh, getting a Seek VR headset from Mary Spiro. Uh, she is, uh, a, a sister who has created a VR headset. So I would start there. However, um, that is, there is a however and the most, uh, kind of common device that's out there is the Oculus. And, um, I would say that with a little bit of hesitation because oculus is owned by facebook uh and they are um so there are some challenges that come with that uh and you know it's if you are just aiming to get into vr that is an economical way to do that
1: all right well when we come forward we'll get more from nicole this is kbla talk 1580
2: Apologetically black 7 Every day is Black History Month for us. KBLA Talk 1580. Amplifying Black Voices. Black voices. We've got a lot to talk about.
1: All right. I do my money dance. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. This is KBLA Talk 1580, and we are back with Nicole Maxwell. We're gonna call her the goddess of the metaverse. Uh, And so we have some questions to ask her as we wrap up this phenomenal hour talking about the metaverse. What does metaverse mean for black folks? What does metaverse mean for black folks? And before you say this really quickly, uh, my husband and I were coming to the Austin, Texas airport and he noticed the symbol meta for Facebook all over the airport subliminally there were these signs that just had nothing and if you don't know what it looks like it looks like the number eight laying sideways the the symbol for affinity and it was everywhere very very subtle and so but what does metaverse mean for the black people in america and abroad (laughs)
8: You know, that's interesting uh, that you say that because uh, it is the infinity symbol is what they've got there. And so meta in and of itself means that it is self-referential. We've used in technology meta for decades. And so, you know, when Facebook adopted that, some of us really did not like that uh, because we have had, you know, metadata uh, as, as a means to, to store data, to capture data, and to reference data for a very, very, very long time. Um, but when you think about what you just said, Facebook has put themselves out there as meta, and that refers to themselves. And as you said, that symbol is all over the place. They are referring to themselves forever, forever and beyond metaverse. And uh, I think that it's important that we really understand that because Facebook has not been kind to us. Uh, Facebook has definitely, um, definitely siphoned our data. They have siphoned who we are and they have sold it to the highest bidder. And uh, some have profited off of that. Uh, But a lot of people are just giving over their data to Facebook and they don't, care. It's just happening. And, um, you know, that's kind of why I got really serious about being decentralized, because I have had a career where I have taken people from decentralization into centralization. So organizations, I have moved them from being decentralized into centralized systems, also that the parent company can understand them more also that there is a centralized database and there is a centralized uh, means of reporting on how things are, and, and it's very important to be able to do that as an organization. But when you think about that same mentality coming to people uh It has always meant that the decentralized location or the location that was was decentralized and was becoming centralized lost its essence, lost its flavor, lost the thing that that made it them, um, and had to adopt to the parent company's standardization and rules. And so when you think about what I just said with what Facebook has done, they want you to see them as themselves and and forever it is forever meta I mm. uh, i can't <laughs> i can't sit silent on that one so for me it became extremely important for us to be decentralized for us to understand the properties of the blockchain so immutability transparency truth that is in the blockchain it's there it is is the principles that we we go by on the blockchain and so it is um it's important that people understand the change that can happen when you are talking about the blockchain and the metaverse and why it's important to seek out decentralization on and in your metaverse experience. Your data is at stake, your self-worth, your self-being, all of that is tied up into these data points and elements. And then when you couple that with kind of uh, the experiential piece, um, uh, VR and AR. If you have on a VR headset, that is right there on your head collecting your data. If you think about the presentation that was rolled out in October, they had uh, uh cameras in your home to give you a better experience, of course, but those cameras collect data on you. And so when you don't own that data, somebody else does. And yeah. somebody else is profiting off of who you are and how you are and your movements and your eyes and, and, and what your eyes are reacting to because they can tell that inside of that headset. Those are things that I get really particular about. And I really want to, to just spread the word because it's important that you understand that there's an alternative Right. We can create a future where we own our data and we transact our own data. Um, someone asked me about jobs a couple of days ago, and and I, you know, we were just kind of hypothesizing what do jobs look like. Uh, I think that was in my interview with Fred Brandon. Um, but we have these people who, in the future, like now, these, we have data analysts and and these folks who um, are. Our specialists at compiling this data and rolling it out, putting it into great formats for people to make sense out of it, uh, those same people can be hired on an individual level. So wouldn't it be cool if I could hire a data analyst that can tell me who I should make affiliations with based on the way that I transact in the Internet or in the metaverse? That would be extremely cool to me uh to be able to kind of reclaim that and and go out and and be paid for what I'm putting out into the world, even in just the way that I move and breathe, so to me, you know there's a lot that we can go into, but I and go ahead <laughs> no, no,
1: no, that's good, and so I'll, you know just make sure folks hurt you. There is an option you need to be on a decentralized platform and uh, while you're in the metaverse I mean it's just that simple we have a choice before we didn't have many choices but we have choices with this Um, and I did not even understand uh, Facebook's stance to call themselves meta i didn't know it was deeper than that i mean i know you you know it's deeper but i didn't know how deep until i just actually heard you explain it so thank you for that so let me just um ask you what is the number one fear that you know or that you hear of that people express about the metaverse
4: yeah
8: you know something people commonly uh say is that they're afraid, you know, they don't say they're afraid, but they say that they don't want to be in a headset all the time. And I think that that's legitimate, right? Like they don't, they don't want to lose themselves or their, what they know is their reality. And I think that that's legitimate. Um, there's two forms of, of metaverse and there's VR and AR. We already talked about that. AR, I think, is a way that people can experience uh, this augmented reality without having to be fully um, invested into it all the time. Right. But I think that for me uh, and for folks like me, like, it's kind of cool to actually have two completely separate worlds. Um, I don't know that I want a world where it's running all the time. Like, I liked being able to take off my headset. And just be in my living room, and not have to to be involved in like this this metaverse type experience. Like I want to go for walks and not have to see things, um, you know, kind of just always in orbit around me that are right. that someone else has put there. Like so, you know, there are options, and there are are two different things that are that are out there right now. And I think that ultimately, when we get to what I call metaverse with a capital M. That is when we are going to be fully interconnected and uh, be able to, you know, have some sort of harmony between those two uh, where you have a little bit of VR and a little bit of AR. Uh, that's when XR is going to really uh, take off. And, and that's what we'll know as the metaverse. Uh, if I'm right, if I'm not, then, you know, one of those will win out and it'll be one of the other.
1: <laughs> All right. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, KBLA Talk 1580, when we return what you can do to get ready for the capital M metaverse.
2: We've got a lot to talk about. Good thing we've got three hours. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward.
1: All right. All right. Ahead of the crypto curve with Roberts, Robertson. We're returning with Nicole Maxwell. Nicole, I would like to ask what people can do to get ready for
8: the metaverse. Oh man. So what can you do? So, you know, First of all, uh ask the question, what can I do to get ready for the metaverse? Uh you know, you just you saying the word metaverse, it means that you're thinking about this space. So that's step one. Know that this space exists. That's why uh I am I am constantly talking about it because people don't know that the space is here for them. They don't know that, you know, when you put together all the things we've been talking about with the power of the decentralized blockchain, that you can change circumstances. Uh, so, you know, understand, first of all, the blockchain and understand what it means to be decentralized. Then find your mind shift, right? So uh, whether that's with me or with someone else, uh, get with someone who's in this space that can help you to understand what it means to be decentralized and operating decentralized in the space. Uh, we have a lot of different ways to get involved, so uh, join the conversation. Uh, we are on Clubhouse and also on Twitter Spaces. Uh, and when I say we, I mean Blackverse and I also mean uh, Black Women Blockchain Council. Uh, we have a lot of groups that we are a part of. I'm also a part of a Web 3.0 group that uh, kind of takes a deep dive into what Web 3.0 is. Um, I suggest joining some space there uh, that can help you to understand what the blockchain is, what cryptocurrency is, you're in great hands with NASA, Uh, you can't go wrong there, and then also understanding what NFTs are and what virtual real estate is. And that last piece is really what is going to help propel you into this space because land ownership is not unlike it is in the real world. You have to know where that land is, You have to be able to, uh, obtain it. Uh, so you gotta have that cryptocurrency, get your wallet together. Uh, in Blackverse, we are having Wallet 101 every Monday this month. Uh, so, you know, we're taking a look at different blockchains and, and setting up wallets in a very, um, a very, uh, a simple way, uh, for people to kind of acclimate to the space easily. Um, and then also one thing I will say, and I will stress this, uh, as much as I possibly can, learn Discord because Discord is one of the most, uh, important things about this space, um, because it holds our community. And when I say our community, I mean everything on the blockchain. We're all using Discord for something. So uh, whether that's a crypto community, a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization, you have uh, just kind of an NFT drop that you're a part of, you need to know how to use Discord. And the reason that's important is because Discord sets up firewalls. So if you are in a Discord and you don't know what's going on or you don't have the right access, you are being locked out of some stuff. and You might be being locked out of airdrops, which are uh, drops that just get uh, sent to your wallet because you hold something special. You might be uh, getting locked out of um of credits, so uh, Unstoppable Domains always does um, some bounties where they give away credits to people who are participating. Uh, Being able to participate in this space in the community is everything, so you learn Discord. If you want to learn Discord from me, go directly to learndiscord.com, and that will take you to uh, my page where you can get set up um, for that as well.
1: That is fabulous, fabulous. And when we come forward, we're going to ask you about some of the harassment that's been going on in the metaverse. When we come pull forward, KBLA Talk 1580.
2: We know you have options, but thank you for making the best choice. The only station in L.A. of the people, by the people, for the people. We are unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. Conversations that matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580.
1: All right. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. We have Nicole. Now, Nicole, as I was driving over, some folks were asking me about uh, experiencing harassment in the metaverse. So
8: can you share a little bit or bring a little bit
1: of light to that?
8: Yes, for sure. Uh I will say that the metaverse and gaming are sort of um linked. Uh, I would see gaming as especially uh MMORPGs or console gaming as kind of the foundation for what the metaverse can be. Uh harassment in those spaces is not unusual. In the metaverse, I don't think that it's different. Uh, and so possibilities are there for harassment. Um, I am aware of the two stories that came out about individuals being harassed in this space. Uh, and I find that it's egregious. I also find that, um, in this space, we do have more protections than in real, in the real world. So in the real world, when someone's harassing you, uh, there's not really a whole lot you can do about it. Um, you are, you can, you know, block their number in some instances, but, uh, depending on your carrier, that number's still gonna get through. Uh, you can, it's hard to pick up and move when someone's harassing you, uh, in, in your real life. Um, but in a virtual space, you do have, uh, access to quite a few different tools from being able to mute someone. So, you know, in real life, I can't mute you uh, if I <laughs> if I want to, but, man, that'd be a great feature. <laughs> uh, I can't, um, I, I can block you entirely so that you can't see me and I can't see you. Uh, I can, uh, put on my space bubble or my safety bubble, depending on which metaverse you're in. And that prevents you from being able to touch me or come into my, you know, kind of my, my, my little bubble, right? So mm. my little safety Ooh. bubble. Uh, there's a lot of different things, including, you know, I can pour it away from you, so. In the metaverse, we have the ability to port. And it's important to understand that in the metaverse, you will have an avatar. And that avatar represents you in the space as you're moving through the 3D space. And so that's how these harassments are, are happening. But I think that when you're in that moment, uh, your mind may not be thinking of those things. So what I will say is if if you feel unsafe in anything, uh, especially when you're online in a virtual way, take your headset off. Uh, turn it off. Uh, there is nothing that's more important than your safety and your sanity and your your safety of mind. Uh, so just get out of that space. Thank you so so much. And
1: Nicole, can you just tell how tell
8: folks how to reach out to you? Yes, uh, you can reach me at NicoleMaxwell.com. dot com. That is n i k. O-L-E-Maxwell, M-A-X-W-E-L-L, like the singer, dot com. And all of my information will be there on my uh, link tree. Uh, so you can reach me and um, and all of our contacts. So we are also working on the uh, International uh, uh, Women of Blockchain Conference that's coming up. And Nazra, I can't wait. Uh, can't wait. Can't wait.
1: Well, you know what? We have Middays with Danny Morrison coming up. And this is KBLA Talk 1580. Thank you, Nicole. Peace and blessings, everybody.
2: KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.